0: Welcome back. Clearly, I still have a job. My name is Johnny Jones, and this is Fake News. Bad news from the COF staff as Wes Jackson has decided to step down from his position of campus pastor to manage a pack son at the outlet mall. I guess you could say he has found his real calling. Speaking of calling, allegedly Tony Hawk has called and said he wants his hair cut back. A local man is being honored later this week by the Pope and other religious figures for showing unconditional rice like love to his wife. When asked about the event in question, the man responded, I just grabbed my socks and threw them near the laundry basket. I'm Johnny Jones, and this has been Fake News. If you've run out of your beaver nuggets from last week, your first cup of free
1: coffee is on me. <laughs> Morning. It's very good to be back with you guys. Fake news. You know, this is a, a term that has become so familiar to us uh, nowadays. It's a reality in our day. You know, we don't know uh, what we can trust, you know, things that we read, things that we hear. But, you know, amazingly enough, even though that is um, something that it's relatively a new term for us, uh, in the spiritual world, it has always been the case. You know, back in the Garden of Eden, Eve was the first victim of of fake news, and ever since, the enemy has made sure that we got a lot of disinformation, misinformation, that we're confused, so that we would be led astray. Um, Last week, Pastor Mark got us started uh, with the truth about how are we saved, and today I want to talk about what happens in your heart when you are saved, and what should happen thereafter in this message that it's all about the Spirit-filled life. So let me pray for us, and let's, let's, let's study this Word. Um, Father, we just thank You so much for Your love, and uh, we would like to ask You, Father, in this moment that it will be You who would be leading this message, that You would take over completely this message, that You would take me out of the way and just use me as Your conduct for Your Word. I know that You have... A message for each one of us according to where we are at right now and and I'm just gonna ask you father that you prepare our hearts to receive that message so that we would leave this place transformed it's in Jesus name that I pray amen well we're gonna see a few fake news today the first one it's there in your program number one says fake news our God is a distant and uninterested God. We will get to the spirit-filled life, but we have to start in the beginning. See, this is one of the um, the lies that the enemy has used all along. And uh, I have found it, especially in people that, you know, when, when, when they talk to me, because a lot of people come to talk to me, friends, family, bring them when they are having a hard time believing in the God of the Bible. And they would use this as their justification. They say, well, you know, Even if there is a God, which I I, I am inclined to believe there is one, I don't think that that God cares enough for us. You know, I don't think He's paying attention all the time. I think that He just created the universe with a set of, uh, like, physical laws, and then He just let it roll, and He's not paying attention. Uh, However, see, the Bible has a lot to say about how God really behaves in regards to us. From the beginning, see, when, when God was passing the leadership from Moses to Joshua, Joshua was about to embark in a very difficult task. He had to take the promised land with the people of Israel. And there were a lot of uh, countries there, people well-armed, you know, behind big walls. And these are the words of God to Joshua in Joshua uh, chapter 1 verse 9. It says, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord, Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. See from the beginning God is telling Joshua, I am always going to be there with you. And not only is he there with them, he says in Isaiah 41, verse 10, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So according to this verse, God is our source of strength. He's our source of help. He's going to guide us. He's going to comfort us. He's going to uphold us. So this is the truth about God. She so says, your program, truth, God is always with you and cares deeply about you. And this may seem like a, a simple truth, you know, but yeah, I don't know how it is for you, but I remember, you know, I went to a Catholic school, in grammar school. It was a very controlled environment, you know. We could barely do anything without them watching us. But when I went to junior high, that for us was seventh, eighth, and ninth grade, you know, that was a scary world for me. You know, there was it was not a controlled environment, and a lot of fights broke out in the schoolyard. You know, and I was a very skinny kid, you know. So when I got into that schoolyard, and there were, like, hundreds of people there, I got, I got scared. And soon enough, you know, like, not a month into the class, you know, this, this guy that was a lot bigger than me started getting in an argument with me and a friend, and all of a sudden, he pushed me. You know, and out from across the yard, my, my older brother, who was in, in, in the ninth grade, comes running, you know, and, and he pushes this guy and says, like, stay away from him. That's my little brother. You know, and a lot of people noticed that, you know, and, and so I was like, oh, man, it's great, you know. So, you know, I would go to the school there, and now I felt good, you know. I was walking around, like, what's up, dude, you know, like, you know, my big brother was always there for me. But then, you know, the next year when my brother was about to leave the school, you know, it was a scary place again. You know, because now my brother was never going to be there to watch over me. And I remember thinking, I wish my big brother was always with me. You know, so verses like this are telling us that that's exactly the case. And it's not your big brother. It's your father in heaven, an all-powerful being that is always with you. Now, in Old Testament times, the Bible tells us that God was with them. But the reality is, Very few people really got to hear from him. See, when God wanted to talk to the people, he had to do it through special people because Christ had not died on on the cross. So we were separated from God because of our sin. So when he wanted to talk to the people, he had to use special people like Isaiah. These people were called the prophets. And they heard from God and they told the people what, you know, God wanted them to know. So that's how they knew that God was there, that he cared for them. That's how he guided them and comforted them. Uh, but you and I are very fortunate people because after the cross, things changed drastically. I want you to read what Hebrews Chapter 1, verse 1 says, it's going to show on the screen. I didn't have enough space in your program, so you can read it there. It says this, Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, He has spoken to us through His Son. So after Jesus died on the cross, there's no need anymore for intermediaries between God and you. You know, if you place your faith in Christ... Now you can talk to him directly, and he will talk back to you. You know, this is why when people come and say, I have word from the Lord for you, I always tell them, tell him to tell him himself. <laughs> I, you know, I am perfectly capable of hearing this, okay? So, so he died at the cross. And now we can go directly to him. How did this happen? Well, uh, Luke, verse 23, um, I'm sorry, chapter 23, verse 45 says that when Jesus died at the cross, the curtain of the temple was torn in two. See, that was very significant, because if you remember how the temple was laid out, there was a place called the Holy of Holies, which was where the presence of God was, and everyone else had to be outside. And that place was covered by a veil, and when you think of a veil, I know you think of a thin curtain. It was in reality made of leather, and it was really thick. And at the moment that he died, that turned in two. And that was like to explain to us that we now had the possibility, and listen to that word, we have the possibility of have direct access to God. But who has that direct access? Can anyone talk to God and then hear back from him? Well, the Bible tells us that something amazing happens when a person places their faith in Jesus. See, Ephesians chapter one says that uh, we were chosen before the creation of the world to be adopted as his sons and daughters through his son, Jesus Christ. See, he calls to us. He draws us to him. And when we respond to that calling, this is what happened. Ephesians 1, verse 13. You can read it on the screen. Says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. See, we were sealed, we were marked with the Holy Spirit. What does that mean exactly? Paul explains this in Galatians uh, chapter 2, verse 20. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So here's another truth about God. It's this truth. Christ actually lives inside of you through his Holy Spirit. So he's living there inside of you. The moment that you put your faith in Jesus or in what Jesus did at the cross for you, the Holy Spirit literally moves into your heart, and at that moment, your spiritual life begins. That's the moment when you start living a spiritual life. And, and if you are new to this faith, if you're just learning about this stuff, these are fresh and great news. But if you've been walking uh, by his hand for a long time, maybe you're thinking, well, tell me something that I don't know, because those are not exactly breaking news, right? But you see, this is when things get a little bit confusing, When you start talking about a spiritual life, you know, a spirit-filled life, you get a lot of fake news. If you ask a lot of people, what does it mean to live a spirit-filled life? Or in terms that they will understand, what does it mean to be spiritual? You're gonna get some weird answers. You're gonna get some strange stuff. Look, uh, I don't know if you've heard the anecdote of uh, Sherlock Holmes going camping with Watson. Holmes and Watson are out in the wilderness camping. They have a heavy dinner, they have a couple of drinks, so they fall sound asleep, and in the middle of the night, Holmes wakes up Watson with the elbow, you know, Watson wakes, wakes up startled and says, like, what? And he's like, Watson, look up and tell me, what do you see? So he looks up and says, like, stars, stars and more stars. Why, Sherlock? He says, what does that tell you? See, Watson is used to Holmes always training him for detecting, so he says, what does that tell me? So he starts thinking, he's like, well... Astronomically, it's clear that there are hundreds of, you know, thousands of galaxies, so there must be hundreds of billions of stars, and this universe is huge. Astrologically, I can see that Saturn is in Leo. You know, chronologically, I would say it's about 3 in the morning. Meteorologically, tomorrow's probably going to be a beautiful day, and theologically, it's clear that this universe is huge, God must be even bigger, we're just a grain of salt in the scheme of things. Why, Holmes? What does it tell you? Says, Watson, you fool, somebody stole our tent. (laughs) See that just goes to say that some people can give you the most profound answer to a question and miss completely the point. See, you ask people what does it mean to live a spiritual life, and you're going to hear some answers. You know, like some of them are going to be astrological, cosmological, you know, mystical, profound, and they're not going to say anything. And the more confusing, the deeper they seem to be, you know, because you say something that no one understands, and people, instead of saying, huh, they say, like, oh. And yeah, they don't want to seem like foolish that they didn't understand it. Okay? So, what I did this week is I went to Google and I asked that question, you know, what does it mean to be spiritual? What is spirituality? And you should hear the answers that I got. You know, I'm going to tell you the gist of it in the next fake news. And this one comes from the world, okay? Number two in your program says, fake news from the world. Being spiritual means to be one with the universe. This is the gist of what I read. See, I went and read all kinds of descriptions. And I'm just going to spare you reading all these things. But these people truly... You know, have a mix in their minds between, like, Star Wars and Avatar, you know, and they think that there is a force out there. Have you heard people that say, no, 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 you know, just, just trust the universe, send good vibes to the universe, or pray to the universe. That's what it means to be spiritual. And they say, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual, and everyone's like, oh, you know. <laughs> tell me, what does that tell you when they say you have to be one with the universe, If you're one with the universe, you'll be aware of yourself and you will enjoy the moment. like, what? How? You know, what does that mean? See, and and I didn't read these things from just anyone. You know, I I read, you know, the description of a guy who is the director of the uh, George Washington uh, Institute of Spirituality. Some authors of a book called The Spiritual Brain. So these are people that actually sat down and thought about it. You know, they studied stuff, and they came up with this nonsense that doesn't help you in any way to live a spiritual life. So what does the Bible say that it means to be spiritual? Or what is a spiritual life? Listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 5. He said, I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do Nothing. You know what he's, what he's talking about? He says, if you remain in me and I remain in you, you will bear much spiritual fruit. Apart from me, spiritually speaking, you can do absolutely nothing. Okay? So, what is the truth about being spiritual? It says there, truth. Being spiritual means to be one with Jesus. When you are one with Jesus, then you have a spiritual life. There is no spirituality without Jesus involved in it because he just told us that separated from him, we can do absolutely nothing spiritually speaking, okay? Now, unfortunately, the fake news not only come from the world, they also come from the church. See, there are some places that have very distorted ideas about what spirituality is, and they teach them. So people don't understand how the Christian life should look like. See, this, these are the fake news from the church. The number three in your program. The spiritual life is revealed by the gifts of the Spirit. See, there's three things that happen when, when you place your faith in Jesus. Two of them are immediate, instantaneous. The other one... It's a process. It's a long, you know, it takes a long time. The first one is that you get eternal life. You are saved immediately. And that's great news. As, As Pastor Mark said last week, not for anything that you did, but because of what Jesus did, you are immediately saved, okay? And that's when your spiritual life begins, as we said. Now, the second thing that happens is that the Holy Spirit gives you at least one spiritual gift. See, spiritual gifts, there's all kinds of spiritual gifts. There's a few places in the Bible where you can read the lists. There are some that are like high-end, you know, like prophecy, healing, speaking in tongues. And there are some that are kind of like low-end. Not everybody wants them because it's like administration, service, you know, like other things that you're like, I'd rather be the prophet, you know. But anyway, spiritual gifts are great, you know, and they are real. You know, the Holy Spirit gives them to you so that you can extend the kingdom of God. But there is something that they were not meant to be. They are not the measure of spirituality or the proof of spirituality. And this is very important for you to understand because you are going to hear some weird things out there from the church. See, there are churches that preach that unless you display a spiritual gift, you have not been saved. See, there are churches that uh, promote prophecy a lot, some that promote speaking in tongues a lot. And amazingly enough, everyone there has that gift. Why? Because if they tell you that that's the measure of spirituality and everybody else starts doing it, you have to fake it. Otherwise, you feel less. You you feel, I'm not saved then. And this is what you get these strange situations. Uh, A worship leader that we had in Cancun uh, some time ago told us of this church that, Promoted prophecy all the time And they had this guy That every once in a while In the middle of service Would stand up and say This is what the Lord says And he would say something You know And one day he stood up and says The Lord says Just like Abraham got into the ark All the animals And he said something else And sat down And then later on realized He had said Abraham And the ark So he stood up and says like The Lord corrects himself <laughs> Some prophecy Right But the same thing happens with any gift that you're trying to fake. See, they're given to you. You don't get to choose when you use them. The Spirit decides when they're used. But they are not meant to be the measure of spirituality in a person. So what is then the measure of spirituality? See, this is what the Bible calls the fruit of the Spirit. Spirit. And just the very name tells you that a spiritual person, you truly should be able to see if they are spiritual or not. Because just think of the fruit of a tree. You see an apple tree and you go like, is there fruit? Yes or no. I mean, you can see. So your spirituality should be noticeable. People should be able to tell that you are a spiritual person. The question is, how? How do they know? Well, Paul tells us in Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23, What does it mean to truly live a spiritual life? He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, says Paul, there is no law. So you understand what this means? So this means that a, a truly spiritual person is capable of loving people around them even when they don't deserve to be loved. That that they have joy in their heart even when situations around them are are hard, are sad, are dark. That they have peace in their heart even in the middle of storms and battles. That they're patient, you know, even when people that are completely irritating, you know, that, that they're kind in the presence of rude and cynical people. That they're good to people that wishes them Evil, you know that they are faithful, even when the water is up to their neck. That they're gentle, even when they're dealing with arrogant or ignorant people, and they have self-control, even when they're surrounded by temptations. See, that's what spirituality is. So this is what that means. Truth says your program, the spiritual life is revealed in your character. It is revealed in the way that you deal with situations. So you see, it, it doesn't matter if you can preach very well, you know, if you can actually touch a person and heal that person, or if you can be a true servant and be serving all the time. It doesn't matter. See, Paul would say, you know, even if you do all those things and you give all your money to the poor and you can do whatever, spiritually speaking, that looks that way, but if you don't have love, which is the fruit of the Spirit. It says, you're nothing. So it's not about how much you know, because some people, because they know the Bible by heart and they know it in Greek, they think they're spiritual. You know, it's not about how many hours you spend reading the Bible or praying. It's not if you meditate or you fast. Those are spiritual disciplines that help God transform your heart when you're using them. But they're not the measure. The measure is how do you respond in your life at the situations that you face. And, and I know that can be a little bit confusing. Because you can say, well, sometimes I'm patient, right? Sometimes I'm kind. Sometimes I'm gentle. So how can you tell if you truly are being spiritual in your life? You know how? Your character is truly revealed when you're under pressure or when you think that no one can see you. That's when you become yourself. See, my father used to tell me, do you want to know a person? Put them under pressure for two minutes. You'll know their true character faster than if you spend a year with them on vacations. You know, be under pressure. It's very easy to act as if you have the fruit of the Spirit when everything is fine, when, when all the people around you are very loving, your expectations are being fulfilled and there are no storms. But what happens when life is not like that? See, this is why the Bible puts so much emphasis in the fruit of the Spirit because it deals directly with your character. You know, and it's a repetitive theme because the Bible tells us that that is the only thing that you're going to take with you. See, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, a prophecy will pass, teaching will pass, tongues will cease to be used, but love never ends. And love is the fruit of the Spirit. Every circumstance that you face in life, it's meant to mold your character. This is why Paul says consider the joy when you face adversity because that strengthens your character. But this is when you get another fake news. When you say things like that, this is fake news. See, number four says fake news. If God loved me, my life would be easy. You can fill in that blank with different words. My life would be happy my life would be without problems. You know, there would never be traffic at the 290. You know, all the lights would be green, right? If, if God really loved me, things will always go my way. But see, if you fall for this fake news, you're always going to be angry with God. See, the Bible says that it is your character and not your comfort that is most important to God. And this is why it's so important for us to understand how is it? That God makes sure that the fruit grows in your life. You know, how do you grow the fruit of the Spirit in your life? See, uh, God treats us like a a father. And what he wants from you is for you to mature spiritually. But this process is going to be a lot easier if you understand exactly what he's doing. And if you don't understand, you're going to be completely irritated. So let's see how is it that he grows it. Uh, This... Uh, Verse is going to show on the screen again, John chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that that it will be even more fruitful. So did you hear the two things that he does? See, this is why it's important for you to understand it, because if you don't get this, it's going to be very irritating. See, branches in our life that bear no fruit, God cuts them off. Here's where rebellion begins. You know, when, when God wants you to follow a certain path, when God starts telling you, okay, don't do these things, let go of these things and live this way, but you don't want to. You think you know better than God what's going to make you happy. See, it's so funny because we were angry when we're told no, even if it comes from God. And it's so ironic because you're behaving like a five-year-old. You know, when, when my sons uh, were about five and three years old, Marco, the older one, came up with a brilliant idea. He came one day and said, like, Dad, why don't we start lunch? Lunch is the main meal in Mexico. Why don't we start lunch with dessert? And then we move on to the food. And I was like, Why? So usually you make us eat all the food, and by the time I finish, I'm not hungry anymore. You know, and then I never get to eat dessert. But if we start with dessert, I'll have space for other food. Is that a good idea? Brilliant, no? His logic is perfect. What do you think I said to that? No. That's, there's a good mother. <laughs> Immediately. No. <laughs> of course. Why? Because it's not good for him. And he couldn't understand why, even though his logic was perfect, I would say no. And this is exactly how God behaves with us. He tells us, no, I don't want that for you. And we're like, but why not? I really want it. How many people you know that are in a mess in their lives because of a relationship that they have, that they should cut off, but they refuse to? Maybe friends. Maybe someone they're dating. Maybe a job or people that they're working with. See this is what happens. When you receive the Holy Spirit in your heart and start applying spiritual disciplines, you start reading the Bible, you start seeing yourself reflected in the Bible, you start meditating on what it means to you, and all of a sudden you see the need to cut things off. You know, and God loves you to the extent that if you are not understanding, He will cut things off from your life. So you start living spiritually when you realize the importance of cutting things that are leading you astray. But see, the most confusing part is the second part. Because he said, if if they bear no fruit, I'll cut them off. But if they do bear fruit, I'll prune them. And if you're like me, you're going to think, isn't it the same? You know, you're going to cut them off anyway. But if you go and talk to a person that knows about gardening you know, you'll, you'll understand that cutting off, cutting off means to eliminate something, but pruning means to prepare something to give more fruit see, um, my wife Karina loves cooking and, um, in, in Cancun uh, we cannot always find all the herbs that she uses to cook, so we started growing them in the backyard, we grow rosemary and chives and basil and other stuff see, basil is an interesting little plant I love basil you know, basically what you eat is the green leaves, right? But if you let it just grow on its own, you know, every branch of, of, of the plant will start growing this little like twig full of like seeds to try to reproduce itself. But if you just let them grow, all of them will start growing them and the plant will give all their nutrients to those things and all of a sudden the green leaves become yellow and die. So if you don't go around pruning those twigs and every once in a while pruning the plant, He will die. But if you do it, then it comes green and beautiful. See the problem to us is that the way that God does that is through trials. And this is why sometimes God will prune your life in areas where you are bearing fruit. And if you have the wrong expectations, you're like, why is he messing with me in this area? I was doing so good. Then he wants you to do even better. So this is the reason why you truly need the Holy Spirit inside you and you truly need spiritual disciplines because on your own, you're not going to be able to live a spiritual life. You need to be in Christ. Christ needs to be in you and you need to be in communion with Him through all these spiritual disciplines. See, this is what Jesus said. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit, but you cut yourself from me and you're going to be able to do nothing. Nothing. So, our God is a loving God. He's always with us. He cares deeply for us, and He wants us to live a full life with love, joy, peace, and all the characteristics that we have mentioned. That is what we call a spirit-filled life. But we need to be honest with ourselves. See, when I was finishing this message, I started wondering, is that the life that most of us live? You know, I started to consider... Why is it that, you know, what we're talking about here is that when you have the Spirit in you, the Spirit will lead you, will talk to you, will help you, will comfort you. But why is it that some people hear from him so clearly and so many others that are complaining is, how come I don't hear him? And I know that many of you have given your hearts to Jesus and you're wondering why doesn't he speak to you? Well, here's the thing, see... God wants us to live that kind of beautiful life, but not just for us to enjoy life, but because when you live like that, you know, His glory will shine on you. You're going to be so joyful, even in the midst of trouble, so peaceful in the midst of storms, so loving to people that don't deserve it, that the people around you, knowing your circumstances, will wonder, how do you do that? How can you live like that? And then you'll have a chance to Witness to other people the source of your hope and joy and strength. And when you study the Bible, you're going to realize that that's precisely what Jesus said that you were supposed to do. And that's when he would be with you always. Look at this verse. It's it's a very well-known verse. Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, the Great Commission. Therefore, says Jesus, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So it is when we are doing these things, listen to what he says, says, go, do something, move, and make disciples. Disciples, not converts. You know, people that actually follow Jesus. How? You baptize them and you teach them the things that we're supposed to obey. And then surely he is with us wherever we go. See, I suppose that this is why God talks so clearly to some people. And I was thinking about this. Uh, you know that we have missionaries full time in our church. Um, my niece, Dani, she's a missionary in the north of Africa. A country I cannot mention for security reasons. But she works there among uh, Muslims. We all, you know, keep her there, Cancun and you guys. And, and when she comes back every once in a while, she tells us these stories where I realize how clearly the Spirit talks to them. See, in these places that are considered very dangerous fields, these people have no choice but to be clinging to God. They're all the time doing their spiritual disciplines of reading the Bible praying together they're in fellowship all the time and they are there trying to make disciples in a very dangerous place and and they tell you these stories Uh, last time that she came she told me this story one of her co you know team members another single lady was traveling on a taxi and the moment she got into the taxi she got very nervous the taxi driver looked like the very typical muslim guy long beard rough looking you know and she started praying you know she was afraid And the moment that she started praying, she heard this voice in her heart that says, tell the taxi driver that Jesus loves him. And she's like, what? They arrest you for things like that here, you know? So she's like, no, no, that must have come from the pizza of last night. I'm going to pray again, you know? (laughs) Started praying again. And again, it's like, tell the taxi driver that Jesus loves him. So after the third time that she heard this, she came up with a plan. She said, Okay, I'm gonna wait until I get out of the taxi, and when I'm paying, I'm gonna tell him and run, you know? So that was her plan. So she came out of the taxi when they got to the destination, and she put the money in the hands of the guy and said, Jesus loves you. And turned around and walked away. And the guy said, Wait! You know, and she turned around afraid, thinking, that I'm in a mess, and noticed that the guy was in tears. So she came back and said, What's wrong? And she's like, you have to tell me who this Jesus is. Says, for the last month, I've been dreaming every night of this guy dressed in white that tells me, I love you. I love you. Every night. And last night, I had this dream and the same guy said to me, tomorrow, a girl, while she's paying the fare, the plan was his. It's going to tell you that I love you. Who is this Jesus? So she took him That moment to her team leader who led him to Christ, then his family, and right now that guy is leading an underground church at that country. You know, yeah, glory to God. But let me tell you what really hurts when I tell you that story. We think that these people live in a dangerous place. They're doing dangerous work for the Lord. Not realizing that we're in a more dangerous place for our souls. We're too comfortable. We hear, go, and we don't think He really means us. Go where? You know, share the word. We're in Texas. There's a church in every corner. Everyone knows Him. Practice your spiritual disciplines like, well, they're not that urgent. I mean, I do pray before I eat every day. So we have no communion with him and we're not out there making disciples in whatever world we can reach. And therefore we have very little connection with him and with his spirit but we're completely like startled, you know, like we wonder why doesn't he lead us? Why doesn't he speak to us more clearly? See my prayer is that you're going to realize that when he says go, he means you. In whatever world you live, it may be your your job, it may be your school, it may be with your friends, and that you're supposed to shine with his glory because you're bearing fruit. And even in the midst of terrible situations and sad situations, you still have love, peace, joy. You're kind and patient. You're humble. You have self-control because the Spirit grows it in you. If you try to fake it, it doesn't work. It has to be through spiritual disciplines and going. And then, if you do that, you're going to live the spirit-filled life that God meant, planned for you before the beginning of time. And that's my prayer for all of us. Let's pray. Father, Father, we truly live in a confusing world And surrounded by fake news. So help us, Father, to have the wisdom of remembering every morning that the only source of true news is your word. And the only real spiritual life is in you. Father, please help us. We need your help. We need your guidance. You know, help us go to your word and and make yourself present. Guide us through your Holy Spirit to understand what you say to us. And open our eyes. Help us look around and see the need, Father, because it's there. And send us. We ask this, Father, in the beautiful name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.